Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. Today we have on Elle Alexandra. Elle and I work together at, for heaven's sake, in Denver. Uh, there are metaphysical stores in Denver, and she's fabulous. So I'm so glad to have Elle on with us to talk about um, astrology. She's a fabulous teacher. But let me give you her background first. Elle, is, her official schooling has been in communication, psychology, Greek philosophy, education, and literary literary analysis. <laughs> her love is the magic of making meaning out of life and all, all that it offers. She has studied Hellenistic astrology and has practiced tarot and oracle readings for over 20 years. During the last five years, Elle has added study in energy body practices, ancestral healing, shadow work, archetypical, no, archetypal, bleh, and animalistic, animistic practices. Um, Elle, thanks for being on the show. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, Barb. Thanks. I should have made you read your own. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been better at it. <laughs> Um, so you have, and, and I have to say, Elle, when I, when I have something with astrology, I'll go to Elle with it and she can bring it down to normal language, which I love. I was recently in a panic because I saw all of my planets on one side of my chart and I thought there was something wrong with me <laughs> and she explained it very easily and I felt very good about that. But, um, but let me hand it to you now. And uh, tell me about astrology and your love of it and how you got into it and why you specialize in certain ones. So when it comes to the stars in general, my dad was actually an aerospace engineer. So I always had like a really strong relationship to space. I always just thought it was cool. There was this big framed picture he used to have of the solar system and so it started with the more science side mm -hmm. and then his love of science fiction and everything. And then when I was 11, um, we got I got my first email account on America Online and America <laughs> Online was partnered with tarot.com. And through tarot.com, they would send these month like weekly and daily horoscopes to your inbox. And so that was the first time I ever like really encountered astrology. And they were by Rick Levine, who I actually, um, I got to do a workshop with recently, which was really wild. It was like everything came full circle. Um, and it just hooked me because I was like, why is this right? Like, mm -hmm. why does this apply to me? It doesn't like, it didn't make sense. I'm like, how do they know? And so that was both my intro to tarot and astrology um, mm -hmm. through one little website where they hosted a bunch of online psychics and everything. And it just had me curious, then moved from that to like the magazines and, you know, newspaper horoscopes. And I used to cut them out. Um, 
And then it just started to deepen. Then like a lot of online communities and conversations with people. And then I found out and I felt like so cool when I found out you have a moon sign and a rising sign too. It's not just your sun sign. And I would tell people, they'd be like, well, I don't believe in astrology because it doesn't fit me. And I'm like, well, it's probably your moon sign or your rising sign. And I thought I was like (laughs) hot stuff. And then I realized there was a whole chart and I was like, oh, I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) When did you find out? um, How did they know? Your initial question of how did they know? So how do they know? Yeah. Still to this day, that's a question I struggle to answer, but there are astrologers who are much more rooted in the hardcore sciences. And Mm -hmm. I know there are theories and it's something that I'm still working towards understanding because it involves physics and harmonics. And there is a joke um, in the science community, like with mechanical engineers and stuff where they're like, well, at least it's not music theory instead of at least it's not like rocket science. They'll be like, at least it's not (laughs) music because it's that complicated. (laughs) Um, And so it's, There are theories on how it works and how the planets impact us, but I can't currently comprehend them. So I'm much more on the interpretive and analytical side, on the collective unconscious and the more spiritual and magical practices with astrology. But I would love to come full circle and find an explanation that I could have told my dad with his science mind because he was very skeptical. Um, Did he ever come around? Has he ever come um, around? No, he passed in 2020. So oh, it was, sorry. yeah, yeah. We we never really got the chance to go d- deep. But um, ironically, he was a very typical Capricorn. <laughs> like <laughs> he was a very like yeah. very very stereotypical Capricorn Virgo Moon. We we're actually inverted because I'm a Virgo Sun Capricorn Moon. So we were kind of bookends, and he used to always say that. Um, and that's something fun with astrology, too. You can find planetary patterns in families. Mm-hmm. And it's really neat. Like, I can go through all of my immediate family and be like, oh, that's there. That's there. This is here. And you can also see it in how we relate to each other. Similar character traits. Like, clusters of signs really do run in families. Um, and, you know, when I started astrology, I was of this. I didn't actually realize there were different schools of thought on it. And of Mm -hmm. course, you know, it's been around for 3000 years. Of course, there's different schools of thought. But um, I entered into what's called modern psychological astrology. And, you know, that's where we're looking at the archetypes. And we're looking at how does your chart help you? And how do you develop and looking at the chart as a reflection of who you are as a person. And it was it is helpful. And I still keep some of that. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't realize was that the Western lineage of astrology, because we have two primary lineages, there's the Western and the Eastern. Um, and the Eastern is actually, it's the Indian astrology and it's actually called Yotish, but you'll see a lot of people refer to it as Vedic, um, okay, which is I've a bit that. of a misnomer. Yeah. 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 And they use, they use two different maps of the sky, the mm-hmm. like Western Hellenistic and modern uses the tropical, which is the original layout of the constellations when astrology started. 
and mm -hmm. it's seasonally based. So it, it divides the sky into seasonal sections across this band called the ecliptic. And that's where all the signs are. And we they're in little wedges. So they don't perfectly correspond to the constellations, but it's still accurate. Then when we have um, the Yodish astrology, we're looking at the sidereal constellations. And that involves where the stars actually are now. And they account for the procession of the equinoxes. So that shift that happens and how things are drifting and moving. Both systems are right. They're just different. It's like two different paths up the mountain. One looks at those seasonal movements and the other is looking at the constellation movements. And they're both um, based on your birth. Yes. And they're, they okay. have a lot in common. And in particular, when it comes to Hellenistic and Yodish, they're very similar because they cross pollinated. They went like when we go back in history, they were very connected. The problem is the Western tradition broke it lost its lineage, you know, due to all of our upheaval and things and books getting lost, things not getting translated, Christianity outlawing things. So mm -hmm. we're actually in an era the last 30 years where there's this super cool translation project called Project Hindsight. And they're actually retranslating, rediscovering and piecing together the missing Western lineage. So we're in this kind of paradox where the most modern Western astrology is the most ancient because we're getting the oh, wow. ancient texts back. So it's like, yeah. it's both at the same time. And so that's really where I've shifted my practice because on my dad's side, I'm actually Greek. So practicing mm -hmm. Hellenistic astrology, which is the Greek astrology is part of a way that I get back to my roots. Mm -hmm. And it's part of how I connect to my ancestors in that way. And I think that's part of why it resonated so hard because um, it also ties in like Stoic and Aristotelian philosophy and like Neoplatonism, all of that. You see that in the ancient astrologers, all of them were philosophers. And yeah. so yeah. it's this interesting intersection of everything that I do. But the big difference between modern and Hellenistic astrology is there were some technical pieces that modern astrology didn't have that it just didn't know. There's like mechanical pieces in ancient astrology, things like sect and sect refers to whether you have a day chart or a night chart. And it completely changes the strength of planets in your chart because Is there's that a based on if you were born in the day and mm -hmm, born in mm -hmm. the night. Okay. Yeah. So when we look at the rising sign, which is mm -hmm. the first sign that sets the whole house system, because astrology Astrology has four primary components. There's the signs, the planets, the houses, and the aspects. So the signs are those 12 constellations we all know when people are like, what are you? And you're like, I'm a Virgo, I'm an Aries. Those are our signs. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and then the planets in ancient astrology, we could only see out to Saturn. So there's seven primary planets of rulership. And mm -hmm. the moon and the sun count as planets. There are luminaries in terms of astrology. Um, and then the aspects, you can view those as like it's geometry. They're angles with the planets. Mm -hmm. How are the planets angled towards each other? And those are those lines you see when you look up your chart. And mm -hmm. you can view them as dialogue pathways. How are these planets communicating with each other? How are they interacting? Do they have a good relationship with each other? Are they arguing? 
Um, and How do you then, know that? How do you, <laughs> is that the way it's placed on the chart uh -huh, or yeah. the angle? So yeah. for example, there's, um, so if we look at a trine, a trine is a very harmonious aspect. If you have a grand trine, it creates an equilateral triangle in the chart. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at the signs by elements, so like, let's look at our water signs. We have Cancer, Pisces, and Scorpio. Those three signs create a trine. So each element creates a trine, which means they have things in common. They have the same modality, which can be viewed as masculine or feminine, yang or yin. The water signs are yin. They're more of that feminine energy. They also have the same element because they're, they're all water. So mm -hmm. like they have two out of three things in common. And okay. so, so they're that friends. Means, they're not. Yeah, so they under they understand each other better. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with earth signs, fire signs, air signs. They're all trying each other. Um, mm -hmm. So those aspects can be more harmonious. But if we switch to a square, and let's say we're looking at the cardinal signs. Cardinal signs are the ones who start things. They're the start of the season. We have Libra. We have Aries, Cancer, and Capricorn. They're very big initiators. But the cardinal mm -hmm. signs are either opposed to each other, which means opposite each other. Mm -hmm. And so they're kind of like head to head. There's friction there. Or they're square each other, which is a 90 degree angle. And so they're like elbowing each other. There's some friction there. They still understand each other because they want to get things done. But it's like two people trying to go through a door at the same time. They want to get things done in a different way. And so now, is there, is there ego involved? Um, sometimes, yeah, depending on what yeah. placement there is. But it's more just they have a different idea of what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And because sometimes they have a different polarity. Like so if we're dealing with, let's say, um, Aries and Cancer. Aries is masculine. Cancer is feminine. Aries is fire. Cancer is water. So the only thing they have in common is that they're cardinal. So they both want to start stuff, but they, they really want to do it in different ways. But at the same time, the thing about a square aspect and the thing about the so-called harsh aspects is they get things done. The good mm -hmm. aspects can be a little bit lazy. It's like resting on your laurels. Oh, I'm already good at this. I don't need to try. Whereas the square aspect is like, okay, we got to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of why I don't really think there's bad aspects in charts. It's all about, all right, how do we work with this energy? Like when I've had clients who have had really easy charts, like they have a lot of sextiles, which is another harmonious aspect, and they have a lot of trines. Life is a little bit handed to them on a silver platter and they can get complacent. They don't have as much growth. They don't want to do things. They don't see the need to do things. And in the worst cases, they may not have empathy for people because they're like, well, life's not that hard. Yeah, yeah, they don't and it's understand. Like, for you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so yeah. that's something, and and you know, they just um, got born with it. Basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and so there is, and we can get into like the philosophy of astrology with the when you're born with it because people often ask, well, is it faded? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is, um, and did you choose to be born? So at that time? I. Yeah, I don't know about choosing to be born. I personally, I think so. But also, I think we get into some murky waters with that, because 
there can be some victim blaming qualities that come. It's like, why would I choose to go on through suffering? So it's not really something that I have a strong stance on. Mm-hmm. I just, from my um, shamanic practices through the last mask center, um, that's kind of like the way that we look at it is you signed some contracts to get here, but the problem is you signed them with people who got here before you and they changed the deal. So Like by how they lived their life, you know, things went weird. And so you may not be coming in with the same terms that you initially agreed to. And like my teacher talks about how there can be like a little bit of a duress thing. It's like, well, do you want to be born or not? It's like, you gotta, you gotta take the revisions. Um, But that, you know, that's, that's slightly separate from astrology. When we go into like the core of astrology, there's this thing um, that comes from the Stoics, the Greek Stoics, and it's called compatibilism. And so rather than like with determinism, it means that, you know, everything is set. This is the only way things are. Yeah. Yeah. And then with free will, it means you could do whatever you want. Um, compatibilism is in the middle. It Mm -hmm. recognizes there's a bunch of stuff that's outside of our control. We can't control the weather. I think pretty much everything. Yeah. yeah, We can't control (laughs) who we're born to. We can't control when the light bulb goes out. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of stuff we can't control, but there's a finite amount of things we can control. And the biggest one is how do we internally react to and view things? And that framework can liberate us. So it's like, all right, everything we can control, that's off our plate. We don't Mm -hmm. actually need to worry about that because it's not there. All we need to worry about is what is the next right action? What are we going to do about these cards we've been dealt? Um, And I think that's something where astrology can really help people is once you start digging into your chart and once you start learning it, and then learning about those transits too. When we talk about Before transits, you go talk- into transits mm-hmm. though. Um, I have to jump this one in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, you know, um, when we're born, we're born mm-hmm. with a personality, mm-hmm. and we will see the world through the eyes of that personality our whole lives. That, this mm-hmm. is my belief. But at the same time, your chart is your personality, right? Um, it's, it's definitely reflections of it. And so with that, like we can see that in the chart and like where Hellenistic astrology differs from modern is rather than viewing the chart as you Hellenistic Mm -hmm. astrology views it as your life. And that may not seem like a big distinction, but it really is because that means everyone in your life, your environment, your family, your partners, other people's money, all of that is also in the chart. So sometimes when those transits happen, like when planets are moving in the sky and hit different areas in your chart, it, you're, you might be like, I'm not experiencing anything. This is weird. But then you look over at your boyfriend and they're having a crisis. And it's because those transits are in your seventh house of partnership. And so it's oh, okay. actually impacting your partner, not you. And so we- I didn't like, know that could happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's And yeah. that's part of like, like, a lot of the criticism of modern Western astrology is because we were missing these core pieces, mm-hmm. like a lot of the misinterpretations and things like that. And I do want to be clear, a lot of traditional astrologers, we do still use what we call the outer planets. And that's Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. They were discovered Pluto's later. Pluto's still in? 
Oh yeah, we 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 still we still count Pluto. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> we also use some asteroids, um, but oh, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's actually a lot of asteroids. That's a there's over like thirty three thousand of them or something like that. Oh my gosh! And so there's how, certain how can astrologers. You that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't personally. Yeah. I I use a there's a handful of key ones. I really only focus on Chiron. Um, and Chiron is the wounded healer. It's where we find our greatest wound. And if we can heal that, our greatest capacity to heal others. And mm-hmm. um, the astrologer Chani Nicholas also talks about how Chiron is where we find our need to embrace our humanity. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we can kind of dissociate from it. You know, it's like acting like you'll never die, just ignoring your limitations. And Chiron is that checkpoint where it's like, no, we got to come back to the fact that we are embodied beings. Yeah. And we have needs. Do you see patterns that most people alive now will have certain uh, things in their chart like Chiron? So you can generationally. Yeah. So like when we look at our slow movers, Um, you know, Saturn only changes signs every two and a half years. And Mm -hmm. then everyone you move out from that, it's much longer. And Pluto in particular aligns pretty closely with the generational divides. Um, The only difference is with baby boomers. They Mm -hmm. got two Pluto cycles, which is why I personally believe there's a second generation in there. Um, What does that mean? (laughs) So uh, the early baby boomers were, I think they're the true baby boomers. And then I've heard the second one, some people do, will they will divide it and they'll call it Generation Jones. Um, I never heard this. Yeah, yeah. And so that's Pluto in Virgo. And so the Pluto, like Pluto placements, they make big things small and small things big so they can magnify fears they're like the part of the collective unconscious that is a little bit more traumatic a little bit dicier what are we looking at millennials are a great example because pluto was given to scorpio like they decided that pluto is associated with scorpio as a planet traditionally scorpio has mars you said they astrologers like it was there was a big debate when it came out and that's kind of where pluto settled and now if you look anything up a lot of people don't even recognize the original rulership scheme which has the feminine side of mars is scorpio and so in ancient astrology you had duplicates like aquarius was both capricorn and or Aquarius and Capricorn were both Saturn. And okay. you're losing yeah. me here. Back okay, up, okay. back the bus so, up. <laughs> so each each planet rules a sign. Mm-hmm. And when we got the three new ones, some of the old rulerships were ignored. Okay. So and the three new ones of, and the yeah. old one. What were they and what happened to them? Okay. How can you, with astrology, say, oh, we don't want to do that one anymore. We're going to pick up a new one. Well, and that's that's where the traditional astrologers get very grumpy because it broke the system. It changed Mm -hmm. things. And so I personally look at the three modern planets as associated or co-rulers instead of replacements. Because when you look at the original, it makes way more sense. Like the, the system was built for it. And so like if we go in order... We have Leo is the sun. 
Like Leo is ruled by the sun. And then we have Cancer ruled by the moon. And when I say in order, we're going out from the sun. So then we have Mercury, who rules Gemini in its masculine expression and Virgo in its feminine expression. And then we go to Venus, who rules Taurus in its feminine expression and Libra in its masculine expression. And actually, uh, yesterday, Venus entered Libra. So it's in its home sign and is bringing us some much needed relief from everything that's been going on. Yeah. <laughs> it, then, it seems like a lot of things let go yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And Either then, they let go or they got much worse. But, mm, no yeah, in between. Yeah. but we also <laughs> we've seen some of the strikes like resolving really quickly. Um, and right, that's Libra right. likes harmony. And so that's part of what's coming in with that. Um, and then we have Aries and Scorpio, which are both ruled by Mars. Uh, and then from Mars, we move to Jupiter, which rules Pisces, and uh, which makes so much more sense than Neptune, but <laughs> which is the new one. And then uh, Sagittarius. The that, yeah. that blows my mind because I think yeah. of astrology as being very old and very set. Yeah, well, it, new things are definitely still being invented. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. we're still inventing. We're still debating. There's different schools of thought. Um, and then finally, Saturn, again, is Aquarius and Capricorn. And so those mm -hmm. are our traditional seven. Then with the new ones, we had Neptune given to Pisces, and we had uh, Uranus given to Aquarius, and we had Pluto given to Scorpio. And the problem with this is when you look at the attributions for the planets, most of them rated the pockets of other planets for those associations. Now, there are some. What does that mean, rated the pockets? So, the attributes? For example, like Saturn and Mars were traditionally very much like there's some death associations there. And they took those and they gave them to Pluto. And so they, they were pilfering traditional associations and they took spirituality from Jupiter and they gave it to Neptune. And so this you see my mind, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there are some new associations with the planets. And one way that they got their attributions, when we look back at our honestly relatively recent ancestors, because those planets aren't very old. Like it was a couple hundred years since we've seen their discovery. And when you look at that, things like electricity, when Uranus was discovered, they were super into electrical experiments and all of these different things. And also innovation and revolutions were happening and breakthroughs. And so they're like, okay, well, well those associations stay. So you'll find traditional astrologers that are like, no, there are still some things that we can attribute to these planets. Just don't rob the old planets. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. they will still have those attributes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh -huh. And so that's also why, you know, when you start looking into this, you'll have an easier time finding the modern attributions because ironically, they're older, like in our in our modern books and stuff, they are older because all the new stuff is the oldest but it's only just coming out so in terms of our lifetime the modern stuff is older than the ancient stuff it's a, it's a weird thing to right, think yeah. about so but, it's yeah. not that it's new it's that it's rediscovered 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, it's good. rediscovered, retranslated. I, that blows my mind. How can it be new? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you yeah. know, there's this um, this translator. He, he, I believe he he used to be a philosophy teacher, and he did Greek and Latin, but he kept like he did astrology in his spare time and kept finding out like there were these things that didn't make sense. And so he went back and learned Arabic so he could oh translate <laughs> the Arab. I know I like yeah. his name is Benjamin Dykes and he is um, he's an astrologer and a translator and he's bringing forward like where we basically medieval astrology was predominantly in the Western tradition, the Arabic astrologers. And the Persian astrologers, like they Are were in the, the Western ones, tradition. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. they were the ones where we kind of that was when the lineage started to break because we didn't translate all of their books into Latin. And when mm -hmm. we did translate their books, what happened was they were using multiple very precise terms in Arabic, nominal mathematicians. And then in the Latin it was not translated properly. They would translate something that was three terms as one term. And that's when our tradition started to come unraveled. And so what um, Benjamin Dykes is doing is he's going back and completing these translations. And he actually has complained about the fact that it's wild that people haven't found these things. He's like, these books have just been sitting here for a thousand mm -hmm. years. Yeah. And nobody bothered to retranslate them. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. And it's, you know, it makes sense, though, because, you know, astrology has been vilified throughout history at multiple different points, mm -hmm. um, you know, as witchcraft, as, you know. I know the Christians went yeah. after oh, it at yeah. one point. Yeah. Well, they actually went after it pretty early because mm -hmm. the the philosophical difference between astrology and Christianity comes back to that fate component. And early Christians were offering Christianity as a way to kind of defy your fate. So they went after the astrologers. They're like, no, if you convert, you can change everything wow. with your connection to God and yeah. you'll, everything will be better for you in the afterlife. And don't look at that stuff. It's, you know, it's mm -hmm. heathen and all of these things. So in so other they, words, you can have the power rather than uh -huh, the power uh -huh. being in Yeah. And, and, and they also, they missed the point that having your natal chart is a privilege knowing your birth time and being able to look into that actually allows for you to navigate your life in the best way you can it allows for you mm -hmm. to see obstacles coming on the horizon it allows for you to understand parts about yourself and make sense of things that happen like right. astrology actually helped me get through my dad's passing um, it was the first death I ever predicted. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that would have been hard to predict. It was. That, it was. That. So and there's information you know you don't want to know. Yeah, there there <laughs> is. But what happened, though, was I handled his death better than the majority of my family because I saw it coming three months out. When he first went into the hospital and I pulled up his transit chart, I was like, "He's. I don't think he's going to make it. And oh. it... And everybody else was like, oh, you're being negative. And I'm like, okay. So I was able to grieve at his side, to process, to come to terms with these things before he passed. Did you tell him? I did. And I actually yeah. gave my mom the warning a week before the event that led to him coding in the hospital 
ages. Mm-hmm. And then he never fully regained consciousness after that. It was the full moon in January, 2020. I was like, mom, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. And I don't, I think that's it. And so I gave her a warning and you know, it, I, I don't know how much it helped her. I think it helped a little bit, right? but then, you know, it comes down to, can she have it too? Yeah. And, and a week after that, you know, we put, we had to pull the plug basically because he was everything. It was system collapse. And if we didn't, it would have been worse. Um, but Mm. do you know, one of the first, my first thing to go to an astrologer and this was i was crazy <laughs> it, but i still wonder about it i lost somebody that i had grown up with that was mm-hmm. my oldest friend knew everything about me and mm-hmm. died in her 40s you know and it was mm-hmm. a, a shock it was just and and to lose somebody who knows everything you know it's almost yeah. like you like your your whole book in a way I went to an astrologer and said, I want the chart done on the day of her passing. As mm, if, so mm-hmm. this will tell me what you're doing over there. And they just looked at me like I had multiple heads and went away. So that's but, that's modern astrology. Oh, that what is. You so wanted, I wasn't crazy. No, yeah. you weren't. What you wanted, um, like that would be a death transit chart. What you would do is you would take, because like, just to define transits really quickly in case anyone missed the kind of blur earlier, transits are the planets as they are now. It's where everything is moving now. And then you take that like a clockwork piece and you put it on top of your chart and you see how are they interacting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can take a snapshot of any moment and then you can see what is that doing. And then there's also a thing called horary astrology, which is a form of divination. It's something that I plan on learning, but I I can't do currently. And basically you cast a chart for the moment you ask a question and that chart gives you answers. And there's a whole way to do that. And that's Um, where the planets are at that moment. Yeah. At the moment you ask the question and there's a whole interpretive philosophy behind that. That's really cool. So you were not crazy. There's ways to do that. I always thought I was crazy. They looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. No. So like, and I, you know, for example, I have my dad's death chart saved. I have the moment of his death. I have that saved in my astrological files. Um, Again, was their choice. Again, yeah. was it and, predetermined? Well, so with that, from when, it comes, when it comes to death and when it comes to all of that, um, something that Chris Brennan, who's actually another Denver local, um, really phenomenal. He's kind of the Hellenistic astrology guy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what he brings up is that transits that used to be definitive death transits in ancient astrology due to medical advances can just now be health crises and so there is like it's not a guarantee it's just like and so with astrology too in the west in particular with ethics like i would never tell someone oh it looks like you're gonna die i'd be like you know i would give them what what can they do about it which is prioritize your health you need to reduce your stress it's you like be really careful while traveling i would put this trip off until later like i give them so it's a concrete stuff yeah exactly weak point yeah exactly and then you do have choices and then there's also locational astrology so sometimes if you travel to a harsh line on your chart 
that makes mm-hmm. you more at risk. But if you travel to, let's say, your Venus line, then it's like, oh, you found your new love. Like, you know, yeah, there's. Yeah. So it's a safer place. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so there, I do believe there's choice. And with that compatibilism, what that, like the metaphor that the um, Chrysippus, who was an ancient philosopher, what he used was the metaphor of a dog tied to a cart. So we're the dog. The cart is going in a direction. We don't have a choice about it, but we can choose. Are we going to smell stuff along the way? Are we going to jump into the cart? Are we going to gnaw at the rope? Are we going to get dragged? Like there's, there's different options with how we engage with the experiences we can't control. So it's not like I, and for me, I, again, I view that as very liberating. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I don't have to worry about the things that are outside of my control. I just have to focus on this tiny amount of stuff that's inside my control. And what am I going to do about it? How am I going to think about it? How am I going to work with other people? And, you know, there's another thing in the philosophy like community that we, we joke about. You know, before you go there, I have to ask real quick. Yeah. Um, So if, and I don't know astrology, you know, at all. And uh, so um, is there an astrology of place? And yes. if it, yes. can I be in the wrong place? Can I have yes. moved to a, and will it fail, feel bad? How will mm-hmm. I know? You know yeah. It'll yeah. Not so if you are back. in a place and stuff is always going wrong, if you don't feel like you belong there, that usually indicates that you move to a challenging area. Um, and it's called astrocartography. And what it is, is it is your chart laid down on the world map. So you can literally travel to those aspects and planetary lines on your chart in physical space. And so a lot of people do use it to learn to move. It's another one that I've dabbled in, but it's not my specialty. But I do really want to learn more about it because it's really neat. Um, Yeah. But the problem is every time I look at it, I want to (laughs) move. Oh, really? Is this not your place? It's not terrible. It just it makes me complacent. Uh Like, yeah. So since I've been here, it's just kind of like, eh, it's not super motivating. I don't get a lot done. And so I do eventually want to travel to some of my other lines and see how it feels. I have a friend who's another astrologer. Um, I haven't pinned that down yet because unfortunately my chart has a lot of the cool places in the ocean. So, (laughs) so you were supposed to be a fish. (laughs) Yeah, apparently so. Apparently so. And speaking of my Pisces friend, uh, she is actually in Norway right now because her sunline runs through Norway. And she says she has never felt more at home, more at peace, more seen. Yeah, yeah, and so she's traveled there multiple times, and she actually went there because she knew her sunline ran there, and she's like, oh, "What wow. is it going to be like?" And I think she's—I I can't remember if this is her second or her third trip there, but uh, I think it's her third, and she loves it. She's mm-hmm. actually recuperating from a big art show there, and it's phenomenal. And so it—it it really is powerful. And like anytime I, I, I sit down with clients. They will like, they'll say, oh, this is terrible. Like I used, I lived there and it was awful and it always like corresponds. So it's really, it's really neat. Hmm. At birth, are we in the right place? Um, we're in the right place for our birth. Yeah. (laughs) So we're not necessarily the the right place for those transits. Like something that can be like, people will be like, oh yeah, my childhood was miserable. This place was really hard. And, you know, and and it's also going to depend not just on you, but how are those transits and how is that place impacting your parents? 
How is it impacting your family? Like, what is the chart of the city you are in? Because, you know, some cities are founded at very bad times. And so they end up being really rough places just over and over historically, whereas other cities happen to be founded at a beautiful time and they're very idyllic and things are very nice mm -hmm. there. Um, so it is. Why would people start a city in a place they felt terrible? <laughs> well, and so with that, it, they may not have there. felt yeah. Well, and they may not have felt terrible. They may not have been aware of it. And they may have just been like, oh, we're working towards this. But when we make it official, just happened to be on the wrong day. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jeez. So, it's, so it's um, a deep well. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So where would you move then other than the ocean spots? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I always only glance at my own astrocartography mm -hmm. because I don't intend to move anytime soon. So right. I, I don't want to put it out there that I'm like, oh, now I'm angling and I have to be here. I'm almost afraid yeah. to find the right spot, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. well, I might bail out what's wrong early. with complacent, though? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, that's got to be comfortable. It is, but I can tell that um, it, there's a Not hindrance to my growth. Yeah. yeah, well, and it's just, I can tell I could do more somewhere else. Like, mm -hmm. I can feel it. Right, right. But you're not going. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. I still have yeah. stuff that's unresolved here. I still have people. Now, can but you someday. see that in your chart? I will mm -hmm. look or I will know this is the best time to look. Oh, yeah. Much less like, move. So but. for moving, I would definitely look for a really harmonious, like, ninth house um, mm -hmm. transit. Maybe a third house if it was not moving super far. Because third house is kind of like your local travel. And then the night or anywhere you go regularly and astrology has had to kind of grow a little bit because short distance travel is not what it used to be. We can oh, go yeah. a lot further than we used to. Yeah, um, yeah. And so what we've kind of shifted the third house to is anything you do regularly. So if you have a business person who's always traveling to the same place, even if it's another country, but they're going every two weeks. That would be third house instead of ninth house. Ninth house is like foreign travel, things that you do like a pilgrimage or the solstice or like the stuff that does not happen often. That's over mm -hmm. in our ninth. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, or, or, so you will look at one point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and also yeah. I would just like to know more mm -hmm. about the art form. And so um, I'm going to get like, there's a, there's a new book out on astrocartography that I'm going to pick up when yeah. I'm ready for that. And then I'll dive in. The astrology is so complicated. Mm -hmm. Do people just specialize in one part? Usually. You... Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. It, you it usually so find specialists. If you try and do everything, you're not going to be very good at anything. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of why, like, my focus uh, this year is really my big transition from modern astrology into I'm moving into, like, much more Hellenistic astrology. I'm doing the deep dive. I bought a lot of the original translations from Benjamin Dykes. And so I'm going to, like, read the source text instead of just the secondary. And I'm right. really trying to shore up the foundation and the roots and... At the same time, I do like being proficient at a lot of the core techniques because like mm -hmm. they're, they're in and the specialty techniques like I don't think I'll ever 
like just specialize in astrocartography or, or anything. And then there's synastry, which people love. And that's when oh, you take two yeah. charts and you put them together. So like, is, is my girlfriend a good match for me? Oh, like, okay. yeah. Yeah. So like you're, or like, why am I always choice. arguing with my sister? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and would so, we argue if we didn't live here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's another thing too. Like yeah. I actually, um, there's this couple who um, I met years ago and it turned out that because of a group that I ran, they got together, they live in different countries. And because I, of what I taught one of them about astrology, uh, they actually use astrocartography and now they're going to move to New Zealand. <laughs> Oh, really? And That's I just found scary, out, though. I just found out about that. Um, yeah. Like, honestly, like a couple months ago, and it was kind of cool. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. like, you, you never know the impact you'll have on people. Um, yeah, it's true. And and that's so you're going to follow them and see how it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely yeah. I'm like, let me know. Let me know what it's like when you get there. Um, right. Right. But, but it, it's true for both of them. That is their place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, now, and, if they're not that compatible, but both in the same place, in the right place, mm -hmm. will that change things? I think it could. I mean, I definitely think if you had weaker compatibility, but you both happen to have a place that was good for you, um, it would definitely ease the relationship. Yeah. And yeah. And like, that's one thing that I talk about, too. There are no, like, people get biases against signs and things. They'll be like, oh, I, I don't like Aries. I, I don't like, you know, Geminis. Mm -hmm. And that's a sinistry issue. That's usually, they are hitting your chart in an uncomfortable way. So there's no bad signs. There's yeah. just, sometimes we're not compatible with people. Mm -hmm. And yeah. But at the same time, I would encourage everyone to never just judge based on one placement. Because... You know, even you if you say placement, one placement, you mean one like, chart. yeah, like, like, no, when I say one placement, I mean like Gemini sun and just looking at that. Oh, so because people okay. get biases based on like, oh, I'll never, I'll never be friends with a Libra Venus or something like that. And it's, you have to look at it in the whole picture because it's going to play out differently in every chart. And you may find that they are nothing like the previous ones you knew because of that. Mm -hmm. And because they're more complicated, and once these other yeah, exactly. things hit, it, it their it's personalities are different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely a whole picture. So, and that's really like if people take nothing else away from this, take away the fact that like the chart is really key. It's not any one element in it. Even if there's something in your chart that you're absolutely terrified of, look at it in the context of everything else because that's how you can work with it. And those aspect lines and how those planets are communicating, that's your avenue for doing something with that placement. That's mm -hmm. your avenue for finding a way to mitigate the harsh sides and to use the energy constructively. And mm -hmm. like when in that sense, there's always a choice. Like there mm -hmm. is always a choice with that. Like how are we going to approach it? Right. And where? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring into um, the present day now. Okay. We've had a bunch of eclipses. What does yes. this do to people? And the other question I have, because we only have about five minutes, 
how come everybody's crazy right now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. These are questions. <laughs> Two big I can questions, answer. right? Yeah, no, okay. I, I can definitely <laughs> answer these. So the eclipses involve what are called the lunar nodes. And the lunar nodes are points between the moon, earth, and the sun that are just points in space, much like the ascendant is where the horizon is, they're theoretical points as opposed to planets. And they're always opposite each other. So you have a north and a south node. And the eclipses take turns between those. Anything within 15 degrees of the node is gonna be an eclipse. Like anytime the sun and moon come together on a new moon or a full moon near mm -hmm. the nodes, it is an eclipse, even if it's a partial eclipse. And the crazy part about eclipses is they are tied to so many historical events it is okay because I was going to say, give me an example. Yeah, you kind of lost yeah. me a little. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> they like, so when we're looking at keywords with eclipses, we're looking at dramatic beginnings and endings. And mm -hmm. the astrology podcast actually just did, they just released the second part of it because there's so many examples. They just did eclipse episodes that are nothing but historical examples. And they wow. had to make a part two. The, the first one is like three and a half hours long. And they had to make a part oh, two. Because there's so many. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And like one of the big ones that's super wild is the British royal family. Yeah. The most recent good one. Example. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, their whole family line. Mm -hmm. Like way back is riddled with eclipses. They're born on eclipses. They die on eclipses. They get married wow. on eclipses. They ascend to the throne on eclipses. They're coronated on eclipses. They get divorced on eclipses. Like it's Did they do wild. some of that deliberately? Do you think, no. So, you and when I say on eclipses too, it's important to look at the eclipse portal because what happens is, and this is why everybody's been kind of crazy, is about two weeks before an eclipse, and mm -hmm. two weeks after an eclipse, it's the eclipse portal. Oh, okay. And so, so it's not the moment range. of. Yeah, yeah, some of them were the moment of. Nelson Mandela is another good example. Every time he was arrested was close to an eclipse. Um, when the U.S. Congressional Congress met and decided to declare its sovereignty from England... So this was the first time that like Washington, Jefferson, Franklin and Adams were in a room together Wow, yeah. was an eclipse. And it was the day of an eclipse. Do they did they do that deliberately? They no. didn't know. And okay. like, so, so it was the eclipse it is driving it. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the cool part about eclipses is eclipses. We actually think are why astrology happened because we go all the way back to Mesopotamia and the Babylonians. And our earliest astrological records are these three kings dying on eclipses. They're known as the king killers. And so they started tracking celestial events because of that, and they called them omens. And after a few hundred years of that, they came up with the concept of the zodiac. And then Egypt came up with the house system. And when Alexander the Great conquered both of them, it came together. And that's where we got Hellenistic astrology. Then that went over to India and married itself with their lunar system. Mm -hmm. And then we had all of our systems. Everything was up and running. And then but it with proved the, out. I mean, that's uh -huh. why they. Yeah. yeah. And so Do that's what they did. They, they started will tracking. Ever prove it? I hope so. 
I really hope okay. so. Because what do the you big think, though? Well, the big Coming problem from... with the scientific studies is they're yeah. almost never conducted by astrologers. So they'll do exactly yeah. what I said not to do, which is they'll take one element in a vacuum yeah. and then be like, oh, that didn't work. And it's like, well, that's because you weren't doing astrology. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you can't do it like that. So I think and like we actually do have a lot of astrologers now that are trying to do that, that are trying to create good studies and to publish mm -hmm. on it. But it is there is a very long, many centuries long legacy of science not liking astrology. So right. Right. Yeah. there's a stigma we'll have to fight. But um, all I know is that it works. <laughs> like, and, that's, yeah, yeah. and I keep doing it because it keeps working. Um, and Besides so, the eclipses, mm -hmm. why are we crazy? Right. So um, <laughs> that is also like really the eclipses are a big part of it because we were in a new eclipse cycle. The eclipses were in Taurus and Scorpio, and we actually, on the 28th of October, we finished the last. 2023, yeah. Um, uh, no, th yeah, of, yeah, 2023. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but on October 28th, we finished the last eclipse in Taurus, and the eclipse cycle is about 18 months, and so that one is done for, like, two decades, and we're not going to revisit that particular cycle. Um, and now we're, we're in Aries and down? Libra. Well, no, it's a different cycle, different new oh, problems, okay. new problems. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so Bummer. this is what I call the me versus the we axis. And so the oh. North Node is in Aries and it's pushing us to be more assertive and independent and accountable and to go for what we want. And the South Node is in Libra and it's asking us to kind of detox some of those traits that are codependent, passive aggressive, avoidant. And what's really interesting is like when we look at the current situation in the Middle East, they Israel entered Gaza on the Libra eclipse and 19 years prior, Israel entered Gaza on the Libra eclipse. And wow. so, yeah, we're we're repeating some things. Yeah. Now, the hope is that Didn't we do it better than thing. we used to. Yeah. <laughs> my, my hope is like, can we figure it out this time? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now, can you see anything? Can you see that we figure it out or you can't? Um, honestly, I try not to look too far ahead because mm. I feel like it gives me more anxiety than answers. So I try All to right. stick within like right. six months to a year. Occasionally, I'll jump out a few years if I know something big's coming. But... Mm. Um, I just try and stick with, again, what I can control, but there are definitely right. astrologers who are really good projective people. Um, mm -hmm. like there's a book by Richard Tarnas called Cosmos and Psyche that predicted a lot of what happened, including, I believe that's the one where he predicted the pandemic. And that was from 2006. Wow. Yeah. He's the only and one so, who did. <laughs> yeah, there, there were other astrologers. And in 2019, the astrology community was up in arms because we're like, these are the same transits from the Spanish flu and from the bubonic plague. And like, we're seeing what's coming. We knew something was yeah. coming and then it yeah. happened and everyone was like, there it is. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you can definitely, you know, forewarned is forearmed. And so mm -hmm. I view astrology kind of as the collective and celestial weather forecast. Mm. This is this is where we're getting into it and being like, okay, am I going to pack a jacket? Do I need an umbrella? Should I put right. on my snow right. boots? Like, yeah, what's a forecast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. so it can be really good for that.
And you know what? We have to stop here. We All ran right. out of time. Yeah. We actually ran over a little. But um, <laughs> I want everybody to hear where they can get hold of you, okay. where they can work with you. And you have classes and everything. So. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, so right now, uh, my website is under construction. It will be wordwitcher.com when it's up. But in the meantime, um, you can find me at wordwitcher at everything facebook instagram tiktok youtube and that's w-o-r dave right mm -hmm. yeah w-i-t-c-h-e-r yes okay. yes <laughs> yeah word witcher yep and mm -hmm. with that um i post a lot and if you want daily forecasts i do quick little daily forecast videos and write-ups that I call it cards and stars, and it's just a quick look at the transits you, and a general you used read on to the row energy. With it too, we I never do. Even got into that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we like I, I marry those, give people a quick little snapshot. I do a little um, ask me anything, little AMAs, pretty regularly on my Facebook. So if you ever have questions, want resources, um, I do take both remote and in-person clients, in-person, predominantly at For Heaven's Sake, but I also do events. And you can email me um, at wordwitcher, W-O-R-D-W-I-T-C-H-E-R at gmail.com to schedule anything or with any inquiries, even if you just have questions and want to know more. Uh, and I'm regularly at For Heaven's Sake on Tuesdays, but also pop up randomly. And I do, for any of the Colorado, Denver metro area locals, I do a new moon circle every month. And you can find out more information on scheduling because the new moon likes to move uh, at yes. forheavensake.com. Mm -hmm. And um, How about your I'm classes? Also you're, you're doing yeah. some very yeah, popular so I classes. Just yeah, I just finished my um, intuitive tarot class and we're going to do another round of that in the new year. We're actually talking about doing two. So one would be digital. So for anyone who's not local, okay. we could do a Zoom yeah. one. Um, mm -hmm. And I have been pestered by my students to come up with an astrology intro class. So yeah. I that is Good. now in the works. Um, good, good. And also probably Intuitive Tarot 2, which would be fall 2024 if everything works out. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Busy lady. Yeah, yeah. Doing, doing all the things. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on. I've loved it. It's yeah, been this great. Is great. It part. certainly Thank opened you. up a lot for me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.